Good morning and welcome to Stony Brook Church. We are so glad that you are here and have chosen to worship with us today. It is the fourth Sunday in Lent and we will be continuing our exploration of Paul's letter to the Philippians today throughout our worship service. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our preacher of the day, Pastor Mary Jo Yakel, along with our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Bob Thomas. You are invited to come join us here at the church grounds this coming Saturday, uh, March uh, 20th from 9 to 11 a.m. as we spend some time in the morning beautifying the grounds that we um, occupy here at Stony Brook Church. So if you are interested in doing that, showing up and working in the dirt a little bit, come with your gardening gloves and some small gardening tools and show up and we will put you to work as we prepare this space for the springtime. If you have signed up to write letters for our Gahanna teachers, please remember um, that you can A, sign up on our Sign Up Genius, as well as to drop off your handwritten notes here at the church. You can do so anytime out front in the traffic circle. You will find a purple mailbox that is labeled God Box. Simply drop your thank yous to our teachers in that mailbox and we will ensure that the teachers and educators get those notes right after Easter. Today, United Methodists all over the world are taking a special offering for the United Methodist Committee on Relief. Today's special offering goes toward the administrative costs for the Committee on Relief. This allows that whenever there is a disaster, all of the money that we give to those disasters go 100% toward relief. So take a look at this video that will talk a little bit about um, the offering which supports UMCOR. When disaster strikes, we all want to help. But when days are dark, you can't always be there to show the love of Jesus to the suffering. But someone should be there. And someone is. And you are the one who makes it happen. How? By your generous giving to UMCOR Sunday. Your support enables the United Methodist Committee on Relief, UMCOR, to act as the hands and feet of Christ, embracing and supporting those in need through their darkest days. Thanks to your gift on this special Sunday of the United Methodist Church, UMCOR is able to provide relief and long-term support for recovery. Not only do we provide immediate emergency assistance in the aftermath of a crisis, we also create sustainable solutions in the following months, even years of recovery long after everyone else has gone home. Your gifts form a firm foundation, a base for operations from which UMCOR can reach and serve the hurting. Your giving enables UMCOR to keep the promise that all gifts given to help a specific cause go 100% toward meeting that need. For more than 75 years, UMCOR has met the needs of the suffering. And today, we continue that labor of love and service in 80 countries around the world. Thanks to you and your generous support through UMCOR Sunday, UMCOR will continue to be there this year to show the love of Christ to children, families, and communities when disaster strikes. 
Because together we do more. Now I invite you to turn your hearts and your mind to our prelude as our sanctuary bells lead us in this centering time.
join me in a spirit of prayer. Come, my light, and illumine my darkness. Come, my life, and revive me from death. Come, my physician, and heal my wounds. Come, flame of divine love, and burn up the thorns of my sins, kindling my heart with the flame of thy love. Come, my king, sit upon the throne of my heart and reign there. For thou alone art my king and my lord. Amen. of Joyce last evening. Let's go to God in prayer. God of joy and goodness, it's been a hard year. It's hard to believe it's been a year. Little did we know how the past 12 months would unfold. We suffered disappointments, discouragement, disconnection, and death. We've wept as gatherings have been canceled. We've struggled to live with limitations. We've been forced to adapt and change quickly. We're tired. It's been a year. It has been a year, O oh Lord, and you are still God. We know that you still create. 
recreate and call life into being. You show us that in our exhaustion, you are still here. You show us in our grief, you are here. You show us in our pain, you are here. And so we come to you on bended knee, humbling ourselves at your feet, recognizing that you are alive and active in this world even when we can't see it. Open our hearts to you, O God. Sink deep into the recesses of our souls. Remind us that you are Lord, King of all. We thank you for the sweet gifts from this past year, extra time with our families, slowing down to observe nature, and taking stock of what's really important in life. We thank you, O God of joy and God of goodness, for these gifts all around us, just waiting to be discovered. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, as we now join our voices together, praying the prayer that he taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
And I'm sure that your soul joins mine as we say, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for that encouragement. In my theology, the cross is the intersection of heaven and earth, and we live there where they intersect. Friends, uh, we do continue our journey with our brother Paul in writing to the Philippians, the joy book, and we are grateful for that privilege. I'd like to read to you from the second chapter, beginning with the fifth verse, the encouragement of this Sunday's letter, part of the letter. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, beloved, Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will 
and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as I libation over the sacrifice and offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also may be glad and rejoice in me. These are the words that come to us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. And now, Almighty God, either through or in spite of this, thy servant, speak to these your beloved ones, that they may be stars that shine. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. I have a feeling that the next time I engage in Bible study, I will talk to the members of the group and say, what I want to do is put you in front of the sermon preparation. Every time I have met with the group at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, I have been so blessed by their insights and by their stories. I'm going, well, it's too bad I didn't know that before I got the sermon done. And I have a feeling that this coming Wednesday, with this scripture text, I'm going to have the same kind of regret. Lesson learned, it's more fun to write a sermon with help than off on your own. Now, I will say I do have voices that I listen to. I have lectionaries, and I have historical evidences, and if you've watched the new movie called The Dig, you understand that history speaks if you choose to listen. What a powerful statement. We're coming to this absolutely engaged in being taught from centuries past, invited to the future. And you know what? This crew right here very much wants to engage these words in such a way that they have a life. As the group will remember that gathers with me on Wednesday, and by the way, there's a Tuesday night and a Thursday morning and a Thursday night. See, we have lots of Bible studies and lots of life groups that are working on this, so there's all kinds of energy going. In this book, it talks about in the fourth chapter called The Mind of the Messiah. Um, we got real original with our titles this time, didn't we? <laughs> hey, you know, The Mind of the Messiah. And it begins by saying, who are the heroic leaders and rulers that impact us? And then Paul goes on to say, for those who have met Jesus, it's Christ Jesus who is the mind that shapes us, who tells us and informs us and encourages us in such a way that we think differently 
I like to reflect on that idea that Jesus is the one who grounds our feet and expands our mind and teaches us about what it is to be a Christian. It's a a wonderful, hopeful way of looking at this portion of Scripture. Who, Who has taught you about the mind of Christ? Who has encouraged you to understand what it is to be child of faith? Um, I have a whole plethora of teachers. I guarantee you that every time a pastor rolls into a new congregation, one of the first teachers they get is what I would affectionately call my predecessor. That's, you know, the one that I follow. I rolled into one such situation, and the first person I met was the SPR chair named Brian. And it became absolutely crystal clear that Brian adored my predecessor. He quoted him, he could tell his sermons, he talked about the way in which he was administrator, he loved my predecessor. Now, human beings are kind of squirrely about these kinds of things, and there's a little part of me that goes, well, I can guarantee you that I am not as smart as the man that I followed. He actually taught classes at the university, and I uh, can't do that. And as the stories from Brian began to unfold, I wondered, would there be enough room in Brian's heart for me, who is so different from his beloved pastor? Finally, one day, in the middle of a major, wonderful, one-on-one conversation, Brian said, I love Wayne. And I said, I know you do. And he said, you know, one thing I learned, if I can love Wayne that much, I can love you that much too. I wanted to cry. I had permission to be lovable. Different, sorry, but lovable. And Brian taught me about the power of allowing for the goodness of God to be revealed who and with anyone who came into my path. So needless to say that uh, when I rolled into this church and didn't see many people, my primary experience of this congregation was through the pastors. Her name is Lou. You respectfully call her Pastor Lou. And I have to tell you, it made me smile when somebody said, Pastor Lou taught us that she was here to love us. And the call that was in our hearts as a people of God would be the call that she would encourage, and she did. What a beautiful teaching from one of your leaders. The other person I've had a great privilege of knowing is Pastor Jennifer. First time I heard her preach, I went, oh, girlfriend, you have to preach more. Didn't I? And she has. 
She took on four Sundays in a row. Now remember, Pastor Jennifer has always been an associate. You don't have to be responsible week after week, and you have other things to do. And she slid into those shoes with beauty. In fact, somebody challenged her and said, that series needs to go down into written form, and it needs to be used as a tool of encouragement on how to embrace, walk into, and take on the gift of grief. Now, you all don't know how, well, maybe you do know how blessed you are, but over here to my personal left is Pastor Bob. The phrase that was used about him by one of the members of this congregation was, he is the consummate pastor. And I went, let me take notes, brother. I may have been at this for a while, but I want to learn. Teach me how to intersect faith with guidance. And it's been a holy journey to have someone of the congregation say, the consummate pastor. These are the teachings that I have been watching and enjoying and engaging. These are the ways in which we live out the intersection of the thinkings of our minds. You see, this is the interesting thing about the mind. It is the reality that when God helped us step out of the Garden of Eden, God said, now you have to think. Now you have to choose. You want to be in charge? You get to be in charge. And we have been working on that since the beginning. I, I have a confession. Um, I have other teachers that have taught me how to think. I have referred at times to the one person in my life who I had that moment of, wow, being in love is wonderful. Isn't he magnificent? <laughs> one of the gifts that that man gave me was what it is like to examine your life, find it lacking, and take on the hard work of change. He did discover the whole venue of drugs and alcohol. It was a way of escaping the pain of life. It nulled and dulled the hard work of choice. To this day, he is the one that demonstrated that it is, if you choose to do the hard work, it is possible to change. When I met him, he was 17 years clean and sober, and he continued that work every day I knew him. And I've been changed because of his witness. There is one other person. I want to tell you about Wilbur, who claimed the power of change making a choice, being intentional about living on this side of the garden with the mind of Christ. He was one of those consummate professionals in the business world. He rose through the ranks. 
did everything that was right and good, empowered people, made the CEO status, was desired and wanted and needed. And then the day came when they nicely handed him a gold watch and said, well done, bye. And this man, who had been so powerful, suddenly experienced the disappearance of his value and of his impact. He slid into a literal depression, wouldn't go out of the house, couldn't figure out which way was up, much less down. Uh, and finally, his wife grabbed him, president of the district United Methodist Women. By the way, be careful of United Methodist Women. They will grab you and they will change your life. She grabbed him and said, honey, you're going to come with me to St. Paul Church. And sometimes you're just dutiful to your marriage. And he went and he hung out with the group called the Pink Panthers. This was the after-school program full of little kids who were in a city born and raised, who were told from the day that they could walk that they had nothing to give, they were absolutely unwanted, and they were negligible. But at St. Paul Church, the Pink Panthers would gather and, well, it was kind of chaos-oriented. Into this throng of bodies came Wilbur. I guarantee you, there was not one child in that gym that didn't notice that a man with white hair had entered the room. This was a group of kids who knew that men were often absent from their lives, and most of their experience of women in leadership was being told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Wilbur walked in. Friends, they literally wrapped their arms around his legs. He couldn't walk. Time unfolded. Wilbur fell in love with the Pink Panthers. The Pink Panthers fell in love with Wilbur. They looked for him, and by golly, if he didn't show up, it was a hard day in the gym. He took them to the circus. He took them to the zoo. He took the affluence that he had gathered, and he shared it. And those children discovered in the midst of this kind of love that he needed them, and he wanted them, and he welcomed what they had to offer. Friends, I, I don't know who leads you in your life and who teaches you how to be a child of God, but Wilbur taught me that when you think you are no longer needed and you allow yourself to, uh, for God to take you where you need to go, you will find that sometimes your best teachers are about this tall, and they will help you remember 
that you are needed, you are wanted, and you have so much to offer that you best get going today. By the way, the very clear depression with the support of his doctor, the support of his wife, and the support of the Pink Panthers began to alleviate and lifted, and Wilbur discovered that he had a new ministry caring for people who the world would have rather ignored. Friends, this is the mind of Christ. This is who saves us and claims us and shows us what we are able to do, I invite you to that ministry in the name of Jesus and the mind of Christ. Amen. to this moment in our time together, we give thanks for the privilege of knowing that our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings go into this world that God has given us so that the light, brightest stars might shine with those. It is with a, a glad heart 
that I share with you that if you go to your email, you will discover that there is an announcement about the opening of the building of Stony Brook Church. We begin that process next week with the 8 and the 11 offered as in-person, and it then continues to unfold. We're, we're doing it in steps so that we can make sure it's done with great integrity. I have um, a, a joke that I'm kind of, I, I'm entertaining. One is that we have a new Wesleyan quadrilateral. Um, the Wesleyan quadrilateral is to remember that scripture, tradition, experience, and reason stir us up and keep us moving. The new one is wash your hands, wear your masks, hang out six feet apart, and make sure that you have signed up so that we know how to best care for us all. It is a privilege that we have finally believed that we are choosing this in a healthy and gradual style. Now, please hear me. Your personal responsibility is to make the choice that will best keep you safe. This is your choice. Remember the phrase, and we got, came out of the garden and had to make up our mind? Well, this is our choice. All choices will be respected. No one needs to apologize for doing as they deem fit for themselves. I would remind you that the body of Christ is always sensitive to those who are not in the majority. There are folk who cannot get a vaccine. There are folk who cannot receive a vaccine. So when we mask, when we wash our hands, when we stay six feet, we are being respectful of somebody else's reality. I give thanks for this moment of joy, and we will be faithful in all of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. amen. And now, would you join your voice with mine as we remember our prayer of benediction, which is a part of our tradition. May the peace of the Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thank you.